Welcome to Church in the Basement, where we seek to see God more clearly and to live a life loving God and loving others. Hey everyone, good Friday to you. It is literally Good Friday, so we are kicking off the Easter weekend. And with the Easter weekend upon us, and coming off of the last podcast where we were talking about what is the new normal going to look like, and bringing those things to the feet of Jesus, asking the Holy Spirit to come in and speak into what the new normal should look like. Before this whole COVID-19 situation we at Encounter, which for those of you who don't know what Encounter is, it is the young adult community at Yakima Foursquare Church that I get the opportunity to lead um, that has been entrusted to me. And as we have been walking through scripture, we have been making this trek through the gospel of John. And I was drawn back there as I was pondering these things. What is the new normal Holy Spirit? What would you have us move into and talk about? That the gospel of John was brought back up in my mind. I do want to continue in that. And what better way to reintroduce the gospel of John than on Easter weekend? And so I sat down with the text. I sort of was trying to get my mind and my heart back in that place where we are entering into really this unique gospel. Out of the four gospels, three of them are called the synoptics, and this one is really unique and in a sense special. It is written way later than the other gospels that the three synoptic gospels were supposedly very well known to most people, and John who was called the beloved or the loved disciple by Jesus, uh, he wrote it for a very specific reason at a very specific time. And there are a number of different cues that tell us when it was written, who it was written by. and but, But the most important part of sort of the background of the Gospel of John is, is that John wrote it for the reason of causing the reader to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the prophesied king, that he has come to save the world, and he has done it. He has saved the world, and now we can enter into eternal life. And I want to read the first part of the Gospel of John to you because it really sets the stage in John 20, many people point to this as sort of the, the statement that sums up the whole gospel of John. And, and in John 20, verse 30, it says this, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that by believing you may have life in his name, that by believing you may have life in his name. So the things that John recorded in the Gospel of John are specifically there to stir up belief in you, that the Holy Spirit would come alongside the truth of what Jesus has done, what Jesus has said, who Jesus was, 
and bring to life this belief. We see in Ephesians 2, it talks about us being necros, dead, and in the middle of that text saying, but God comes in and brings us to life, that this gospel would bring us to life. So let's read in John 1. It says here, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness, to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. I want you to rest in that just for a moment here. John makes this statement. He says, we have seen his glory. We have seen the glory of the Son. We have witnessed who this Jesus is, and it is glory that has come from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. The question that John is asking of us through this gospel is, who do you think Jesus is? He's drawing readers from the current time when he's writing this gospel all the way till now. Who do you think God is? And he's going to strategically point out these different things that Jesus has said and these different miracles that Jesus has performed. And every miracle that Jesus performs, he calls them signs to point to him, to point to who he is, every sign he backs up with an explanation of who he is. He points out witnesses. There are seven I am statements. Within this text, there is so much evidence that Jesus is everything we need and everything that we didn't know we wanted. In verse 9, it says, The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He's talking about this world 
that he created, that he purposed, that he created all of us for a specific reason, and that reason is to know him and to love him. We give our daughters, after we go through a devotional or we read through the Jesus Storybook Bible or, or one of the, the different Bibles that are written for children, we read through it every night with our girls, either a devotional or, or, or one of these books, and we give them an opportunity to ask one question every night. We narrow it down to one question because otherwise, you know, it would probably be 10,000 questions. But my daughter last night, she asked, why did Jesus come and die on the cross? For our sins. And then she said, this is a part of the first question. She said, I know it's two questions, but it's really one question. Why did God create everyone? Why did God create everything? And I said, that's, that's funny, Ella, that, that you lump those into one question, those two questions into one, because there's one answer. There's one answer for those two questions, and the answer to that question is He created you because He wanted to be with you. And He died on the cross because He wanted to be with you. We see in this text that He's saying He came into the world and He came to His own, to a people who didn't recognize Him. The very people he created so he could be with them. So he could express who he is, which is love, to a people who need him. Who need him to live in the fullness of who they were created to be. They need to be loved by their father. They need to be loved by their God. And it says, even though his own people, the people he created to be with, did not know him and did not receive him. It says in verse 12, but all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to be children of God. That when the Son came, that when Jesus Christ came, those who received his words, those who saw who God is and received him, were given the right to be children of God. And John goes further and explains that these children, those who received him and who have become children of God, were no longer born of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. What he's saying is those who receive Jesus, his work in his life and his work on the cross, those who become followers of him, who walk in the way of Jesus, that as we become children of God, we go back to the garden and we are born of him and not born of our flesh and not born of our will, and not born of human blood, but we are born of him that his spirit comes in and gives us new life. 
when it says in John 20 that these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, that the Son of that he is the son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name. He's not talking about a life later. He's not talking about a life somewhere far off. He's not talking about the life at the end of Revelation. He's talking about a life right now, filled with his spirit, guided by him in his presence that he is calling you to now. This Easter weekend, I want to ask you the question, who do you think God is? Who do you think Jesus is? I want you to ponder these things. We're going to be jumping back in on Tuesday, back in at chapter 7 of John. This weekend, would you take the time to read John 1 through 7? And every pause you take in your scripture reading this weekend, if you would read from John 1 through 7, would you stop and would you ask the question before you close the book? Would you stop and ask the question, Who do I think you are, Jesus? Would you take a moment to let the words that you have read as you're catching up in this gospel to sink in the Holy Spirit to speak to you the truth of who he is. This weekend, I know there will be various church services online, and as you participate in those services, as you worship at home, as you listen to the sermons, as you spend time in unity, in the way that we can right now with the church that you call your home church. Would you continue to ask that question, Jesus? Who do I think you are? And would you bring truth? Would you help me to believe? Because the reality of that scripture in Ephesians 2 is we were dead, but God came in. We need God to bring us to life. We need God every moment of every day. Jesus rose from the grave so that you could have life, so that you could be a child of his. Let's ponder these things this weekend. Let's meditate on the truth of who he is, and let's practice what it means to believe. My prayer is that, God, would you increase our belief in you, would you increase our faith in you. This Easter weekend, help us to have eyes that see you more clearly. Be blessed, have a great Easter weekend, and we'll talk again on Tuesday.